Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, as we send you off to Thanksgiving. You got big Thanksgiving plans? Uh, my wife's family coming over tomorrow. I went and, uh, no no free ads, but I went to a grocery store and picked up some prime rib that was on sale. Oh my I actually think it was advertised on this station, so wherever. We, we both live in Burlington, we so do. you got to tell me where the, the, the prime rib was. was actually in your sale. old stomping grounds okay. of Oakville. Oh, my God. But I don't close. go back there. They don't let, no, back. They don't let you back? Yeah. We're, we're having some, some friends over tonight, mm. uh, and they're vegetarians. So, so how does that work? I was about to ask you. Why would I know? I am. Well, I, you have no friends. Well, I mean, not a ton, but I guarantee no you, vegetarian. I friends. don't. I I'd be pretty. Our surprised. boss is a vegan, and I consider him a friend. Really? <laughs> no, I've never. He's never been over to my house. Okay, I, I don't even like. I'm like uh, one of Wait. our bosses is definitely not a vegan. The other yes. one I'm thinking of, maybe I could see. No, he is a vegan. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're having vegetarians over for dinner tonight. Actually, they're supplying their own veggie Veg- burgers. I was, that feels smart. So. I, and they're bringing enough for everybody else. And my wife's like, oh, I'll eat a veggie yeah. burger. And I, I said specifically, like, that. I'd rather... Like, is that rude, though? Like, okay. Am I going to go out and get my own burger? Listen to what's so great for me personally is, you know how they have... So I understand veggie burgers and what I'm about to reference are potentially different things. But you know how they have the, like, meatless meat or yeah. whatever, the Beyond Meat. That's one of the brands or whatever. You, you know but what did, I'm talking didn't about? Didn't that stock tank, though, because people are like, yeah, you know what's better? Meat. Well, I agreed. <laughs> but the best part for me is, you know, just because some food allergies with what that stuff is made from, uh-huh. the fibers involved, I actually can't. Oh. So if somebody was like, hey, do you want to try Sorry, the Beyond? It's would. like, I would. I actually... Oh, I kind of want to. I want to be bad, but I can't. My allergies. You're allergic Uh, to fibers? No, it's the, my understanding, and I could be wrong, but I think it's like beans and stuff that are used, and I'm allergic to beans, so there you go. Okay. Yeah, no, I I could. No, and have Just steal my story. Just be me. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And you can just be as vague as fibers. Yeah, I know, fibers. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe the person listening to the fiber talk will be like me and be like, what does that mean, fibers? But I explained. Beans. 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 You're like, I have beans. Yeah, that also, yeah, I'm still not buying that 100%. Oh, I'm, I am, I am, uh, I'm allergic to everything. Like, we don't need to. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like beans, Yeah, nuts, you feel like a guy mangoes. who's is like, I don't, I, and, and you don't seem like a big vegetable guy. I'm not. Yeah. I, I basically, okay, this is disgusting, uh-huh. but I actually just doing some, like, quick math, I think the only things I have ingested in the last 24 oh, hours oh. are oh god, uh, a hot chicken sandwich, a hot chicken tender from said sandwich shop, black coffee, and a twice-baked potato last night. I think that is what's gone into my body in the last 24 hours. Oh, my God. I mean, water. I mixed in some water and maybe a drink of a smoothie. Oh, I had some wine last night as well. (laughs) It's gross to think of all that stuff intermingling at the same time. Yeah. uh, Let me tell you, all worth it. I don't know where you were going. There's no way the segue works anymore, though. I, 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 you don't even know, of, you know, speaking of, <laughs> of, no, I just assumed you were, up. I assumed you were, I assumed you were at, if you were just doing Thanksgiving or if you had somewhere you were going with no, that, cause that's where I we didn't. started. No, and I, I was didn't. like, now we're, now no, we're way too far gone. If yeah. you were trying to go, but that's good. I'm happy. I'm happy. You're having some speaking people of abject disasters. The Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> open up their, no! <laughs> their regular season. On Wednesday with, I I think, barring him throwing up all over himself tomorrow night, Fraser Minton centering the third line. Maybe you can disagree with this, and I know, Gord, 
said even if he starts the season with the team, yep. and, and and that's largely true. He's gotten – the Leafs have nine games here before they have to decide whether he remains in the National Hockey League or they send him back to Kamloops mm-hmm. because he's he, being drafted early out of the uh, uh, CHL. He, he cannot go to the American League this year. So, yeah, I, even if he makes the team, it doesn't mean that he's got staying power. But I think at this point, with what he's shown mm-hmm. all preseason, with all the comments coming out of – the Toronto Maple Leafs dressing room, specifically from Sheldon Keefe, from what he showed yesterday in his first real, like, I, I'm sure for him this was building, and and although you hear the quotes from him, and he's like, ah, it's all, like, surprising to me, Everyone, too. everyone is floored. <laughs> Including him. The only guy, there's one guy that, who knew this was going to happen all along. He's just hanging out with Crosby and Latang in Pittsburgh. Kyle Dubas yeah, is like, I right, always yeah. knew. I yeah. always knew. Yeah. Everyone else involved, floored by this. Minton, Keefe. Shanahan, who knows? Yeah, so as much as I'm sure, obviously, Fraser Mendon wanted to make a positive impression going into camp in the preseason this year, this is a shocking development. And yesterday was the first time he played a preseason game, I think, with the understanding that, no, this this potential reality might be a a true reality, and I got to perform in these remaining preseason games. If I want it to become a reality, he did. And, and their first shift of the game, him and Matthew Nyes are making things happen. He picks off a pass and, and has a shot on goal. He was making stuff happen all night long. If you want to go by, like, expected goals or, mm. like, uh, uh, the Corsi percentage, I think they were well above 60%, he and Nyes on that line. I, I think he's going to be centering the third line, which means William Nylander's back on the wing right next to John Tavares and, and Max Domi on, on the left side, which, you know, if you had the conspiracy theory that I know you did, that mm-hmm. everybody did, that everybody thought they were so original coming up with. We all did. That that the part of the thinking putting William Nylander back up the middle and, and really giving it a go is that if he does perform, if he's a capable center iceman, if you can rely on him to extend your lineup, that maybe he is worth what he's, I mean, he's probably worth it anyways, especially mm-hmm. if he scores like 50 goals this yeah. year. But, I mean, you can better understand the fit on this team as a $10 million William Nylander a season if he's a centerman. It doesn't look like he's going to be that to start the year. Yeah, and I think that we all need to be super careful with what that means. I mean, even those of us who are the most bullish on Minton, and I think I am right there at the top of the pack. Like, a lot of people love the guy. I am right there in the tank for for what I've seen. I think even I think the likelihood of how this plays out is that he plays his seven, eight, whatever number of games it is, and he goes back to Kamloops. I think that the the problem with it is that the team isn't going to have to think he's helping. The team isn't going to have to think he can stick. They're going to have to be certain about it because it is just not typically a thing teams do. Now, the one thing I do wonder about the thinking about this and how much this will enter into the equation is... Is it the worst thing in the world if they burn the year and he doesn't play the full season here? Like, let's say he plays 15 games, 20 games, and then they go, okay, this isn't working. He's got to go back to junior. You would think, ah, that's a big waste of an ELC year because he's at less than a million and this team is so tight up against the cap and it would hurt you in the immediate future. But that would also mean you could negotiate an extension with him after just 
one NHL season. That's the exact position they're going to be in with Matthew Nyes right mm-hmm. now. Well, they'll be able to talk extension with him after this year. And that is the money ball in hockey right now yeah. is hitting these guys before they pop. I mean, the super version of this is Jack Hughes and the Devils, his eight by eight, which just kicks in. Like it is disgusting how good that deal is. Obviously Minton's not going to be a home run. I don't think like the least for that, but I don't know that it is a hard and fast. It, he's going to play nine games or he's going back. There's, I could see a world where they keep it under the 41 game threshold because after 41 games, then you burn a year towards UFA, which they obviously would care about more. Mm -hmm. How much of that thinking can apply to this season? Because I know it feels like it's in some, some ways a reset with no Kyle Dubas and and Brad for living. And he's obviously got a runway here. It's the Leafs. It's, it's, it's Austin Matthews. It's the score Mm -hmm. that has finally accomplished one thing. And literally the smallest thing. Right. And it's, it's like, man, the pressure, it won't be long until we're again, talking about the pressure of this team needing to win a round or maybe, you know, it would be an interesting way to go into the postseason, like winning the Atlantic division for the first time in, in in this tenure, certainly gettable. Yeah. It's very gettable. And I know they won the North division in the COVID year and then in, lost uh, a three-one series nope. lead to the no, Montreal. Nothing happened. Nope. But outside of that, they have not competed at the very tippy top. Like, mm-hmm. haven't really even been in the mix at nope. the tippy top of the Atlantic Division. But, like, how much of that thinking can really apply here? I, I know you can't, you can't do everything in the moment. Like, you do have to think beyond this season. You have to do two things at once, but so much of the thinking has to be maximizing mm-hmm. the year that you're currently in, and especially with the uncertainty surrounding William Nylander. Like, if Fraser Minton is a real difference maker to start the year, yep. and like it, or or there's a he's like right on the borderline of, hey, do we keep doing this or not? But like he's a net positive. Can you really be thinking about how that's going to impact your cap in three years? No, and that's why that's why I think it actually helps them in both instances of it. That if you do go beyond the nine games and he plays ten, it actually could, in theory, it could could hurt you, but it could benefit you. But it also gives you the added benefit of more lead time to see what exactly this is. I do really wonder if the team will be looking at it as not the nine game threshold, but the 41 game threshold and not, and look, if he can play, there's no amount of games played threshold. If he's right. an NHL or if he's on your third if there's line, there's no debate. If there's no debate, they're just going to play him. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I, I just think that it is really set up well for him to get an extended look here. And that doesn't mean he's going to stick. That doesn't mean it's a certainty, but I just think that given quite frankly, the lack of options the Leafs have had come up through the system since all these guys have got here and the nature of the cap and the nature of still being at your best, I think, when William Nylander can be in your top six as mm-hmm. opposed to a center, I just think it, it bodes well for them to really, really give this a concerted look. I know you've been kind of ringing the bell or the alarm bell about Callie Yarncroft as like a guy that stood out to you as a mm-hmm. potential cap casualty. He played last night. So he nice. did, but Sam Lafferty didn't, mm-hmm. and, and he was part of the Jake McCabe trade at the deadline yep. last year. He's really, really fast. He's so fast, and this team, they're not. Yeah, so like he obviously fills a role, and I, I guess there is a, a scenario in which he he makes this team and is not on on a line, or, or you know he's a a thirteenth forward. Mm-hmm. It's unlikely, considering the Leafs with their projected LTIR are still going to have to shed about two million bucks, and that's in, including Martin Jones being thrown overboard, and 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 that's in, including you know some of the guys that are LTIR eligible, how comfortable would you be in just waving goodbye to Sam Lafferty? It's not the end of the world. I don't want to make it seem like it isn't, but 
when I think of cup teams, and I don't want to overstate this, like Sam Lafferty is not the key to unlocking Lord Stanley's mug, mm-hmm. okay? But when I close my eyes and I think of cup-winning teams, they have not a ton of them, but they have guys that look and play like Sam Lafferty, just burners who are up and down and give you an honest shift. Maybe they're not uber skilled, but they are skilled enough. And I think that Sam Lafferty feels it. And look, he's Sam Lafferty. It's entirely possible he catches on back into Chicago and he just plays third line minutes and we never think of him again. But it's also very possible that that guy goes to a playoff team and the whole spring next year you're sitting there going, oh my God, that's the guy. I think with Yarncroft, it was just important to get him back in a game given the weird start to camp he's had. And obviously there is more potential potential more pedigree there but I also think that it's a it's a slightly more defined role you need to have for yarn crook where a guy like Lafferty I mean when we're doing the three centers thing they're like yeah. okay he's gonna go with JT just to give that line some semblance of speed some semblance of life on it so I I would I, I it is not an absolute cannot happen but I'd be careful about just throwing Sam Lafferty overboard well and it, maybe and and Matthews has talked publicly about how much he's enjoyed killing penalties like maybe if Matthews is a legit option to kill penalties you're you're more willing to to let Sam Lafferty walk yeah, yeah there's definitely some element of that as well and I think that it's it's a case of the this is this is life with the NHL's cap is you know it shouldn't be this way I, I've I've been dying thinking that any part of the Fraser Minton conversation this is what stinks about the NHL quite frankly mm-hmm. is that any part of that conversation should be about the salary cap I hate that I have to think about his extension before he's ever played an NHL game I cannot stand that but you have to you have to think about these things and it it just is brutal there should not be a world where a guy who is making 900k there's a cap conversation about whether or not he can play and i'm not saying that is a fault of brad tree living it's just where the nhl is at these days so i i totally see where you're going with that it does feel like maybe he's the odd man out but i just and not that Yarncroft isn't a winning kind of player, that there aren't guys like him on cup-winning teams as well, but it just feels a little cleaner with Lafferty. But there is a better player there in Yarncroft. I'm not blind to that as well. Yeah, I, and and I, I think the, the chemistry between Matthew Nyes and Fraser Minton is going to drive that line if it mm-hmm. has success. But Kelly Yarncroft has had some success also with the Matthews line if you know an injury occurs. and um, Yeah, he, he obviously <laughs> fills is, the role. It's so funny how much... Wait, and rightfully so. You know, an important player says things, you're going to go with them. But Austin Matthews once yeah. said, I like playing with Kyle Yarncroft. Yeah. And we're, oh, well, can't, can't let get him rid go. of him. No. It's Matthews' boy. Yeah. So no, Lafferty's like, hey, I did, can you say something nice say about something, him? Just say I'm fast. Don't <laughs> yeah, even right. say you like playing with yeah. him. Just say he is fast. Yeah. Maybe that would change the entire conversation. Because it does seem like with Kyle Yarncroft, that is the thing that gets brought up every time you bring it up. Of course. Matthews though. said a thing about him. Right. Yeah. I think he also likes playing with. You know, Matthew Nyes and Bertuzzi mm. and Marner and mm. Nylander and maybe Domi. Mm. There are other guys he could play with. Oh, so. man. Tyler Bertuzzi scored the most preseason goal ever yeah. yesterday. <laughs> I was I am I wrong to have thought, and he did. Am I wrong to have thought that when he drew the second high stick penalty yeah. and his hair and face was going everywhere yeah. and he's like laughing and smiling yeah. at the refs that yeah. By November first, we're going to be having the Michael Bunting conversation with him. Oh, I hope not. I hope not too. But it's kind of how this goes. Yeah, maybe. But he has a more of a he has a pre leaf reputation mm-hmm. as that guy. Maybe that helps him out a little. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see. You know me and constantly just worrying about things that 
haven't happened yet. So okay, that's where, well, I, where I go. Well, let's continue that line of thought then, um, because the Blue Jays <laughs> have many questions, many things to worry about this off season. Part of that is like just tangibly, they need a third baseman. They probably yes. need a second baseman. They're going to need another outfielder because I think Kevin Kiermaier is departing. And, uh, and oh, you mean the letter he wrote to the people of Toronto on Twitter yesterday? Yeah. I missed that. Oh, it was. Just, I mean, it was just a very innocuous, like, I love being a Jay. It yeah. was great. Da, da, da. No, he played it perfectly. Yeah. Like, okay, it, it's it's one thing to, to play the PR game correctly and not he perform. He took a different stance than Whit Merrifield. Yeah. <laughs> It, Kevin Kiermeyer could not have executed the game plan more brilliantly by one signing in Toronto, yep. which is like he rightly understood it's a major market yep. and this fan base, and maybe it's not dissimilar to other fan bases, but they love a guy that looks like he's trying out oh, there, right? And boy, does he. And a guy that, that plays a winning brand of baseball, which he does. And he performed, he outperformed my expectations well, on, he, offensively. He had the quote in spring training that it was something along the lines of, I think I can bring a lot to this team uh, if I hit 100. Uh, and everyone, somehow, I don't again, uh, we want to talk about PR. Everyone just shook hands with him and said, agreed. Anything well, over 100 is good by us, Kevin. I mean, my wife loves to watch Kevin Kiermeyer <sighs> highlights as well. My wife, uh, she thought Pilar was back is what was happening there. <laughs> is Kevin Pilar back? Yeah. Well, no, it's better, actually. So he played that super, super well. And whether the Blue Jays decide, you know what? I, I know this was supposed to be a stopgap and, and Dalton Varsho is the center fielder of the future, but he was just so damn good and we can get him under the right price. Um, I think... Either either the price is going to go up for Kevin Kiermaier or it's going to go up somewhere else because he t- he did an incredible job of of rehabilitating, not rehabilitating his image because he's always had a great image, but this is a guy who legitimately had physical rehabilitation with the hip surgery yep. that he had in the offseason, went to a major market. It's a, it's a nice game plan that was, he's not the first to do it. Like Marcus Semyon, same deal, right? Like coming off a down year with the Oakland A's, took the one-year pillow deal hit the most home runs the second baseman's ever hit in the major leagues of baseball, got a quadrillion dollars from the Texas Rangers. There's, there's a like a roadmap here in Toronto. So that that's all true. The thing that kind of clicked in my head, though, is that, you know, those two guys, they're obviously very different profiles as a player, but what do they have in common? They reek of seriousness oh, of veteran leader yeah. of adults in the room although i don't remember marcus samian ever smiling and kevin kiermeyer he smiles yeah, yeah, a lot there's a lot of smiling you're right and sometimes smiling means you can't be serious that's but right. that's not the case with him i'm going to put seriousness okay. on him because i do feel like he's locked in i do wonder how much of it is that is that the jays are perceived the exact opposite way in baseball so that they they did it for all the reasons you laid out but mm-hmm. i think like the ninth thing on the list there is that those guys especially, we see it with Kevin Gosman, that they really stick out like a sore thumb oh. in terms of just adults and yeah. grown-ups and taking it seriously. <laughs> and sometimes that stuff's overstated, yeah. but if that is a little bit a part of your brand, and it very yeah. much is for both of those guys, to your point, Marcus Simeon, he schooled Bo Bichette in it. That's no right. smiling allowed if you're in the major leagues. But I do think that's a little part of it as well, is that by just sheer juxtaposition, they look like like that in tenfold. How come Kevin Kiermaier couldn't teach this team how to run the bases, though? That's my question. If, he, if he's so serious, if he's such an incredible leader, yeah. uh, he blew that one. Guess he's not. There you go. Uh, speaking of Bobichet, who you're right, like him and Marcus Emmion are so linked, man. I think he just misses him the whole <laughs> Yeah, that's why he's so sad. Yeah. 
No, he's he's Mr. Serious, and you're right. He probably learned. I, I don't, although I don't. No, you know, there was not. There was not much smiling. I think before. there is a part of the Bo be, uh, yes. DNA that is just like, yeah, I don't, no. I don't smile. No. That's not my thing that I do. Although I did see him smile before the season this year for the first time ever as a Blue Jay when he signed the extension. Uh, Getting that, money is nice. Yeah, and uh, listen, I don't, uh, I don't. Uh, have any negative things to say about anybody who enjoys getting money? Because I would like some more oh, as God. well. Um, but yeah, Bo Bichette has performed as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. He, I mean, the conversation was hilarious how different it was going into August of last year when he was bumped down to seventh in the order. But then, you know, he had the hottest month and a half um, maybe a Blue Jays ever had. Ended up finishing the year uh, as the American League leader in hits. He was on pace to do the same when he got injured a couple of times down the stretch. And while it wasn't living quite up to the standard he had set before he got injured. He looked pretty Bobachette-like and had mm-hmm. a couple of hits in his last game. And, boy, it would have been nice to see him get an opportunity to tie the game uh, in the fifth <laughs> inning. Uh, it was taken away from him. But clearly, like, this isn't even... I, I'm old enough to remember when it was, like, mm. a nice little sports radio talk conversation where you would ask, hey, who would you rather extend, Bobachette or Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? And there were legitimate arguments for either a guy. And that... Chip sailed. That stuff is no longer happening. Clearly the guy that you'd bank on being productive and and being worth the money he's going to receive in free agency is the guy that's been productive. And, and Vlad has been quote-unquote productive. He, he plays first base. Bobochet plays shortstop and now at a, like a very capable defensive mm-hmm. level. And he hit even in a down year 20 home runs, right? Like yep. this is And he hit 300 and he's going to lead the American League in hits if he's healthy the whole season long and maybe he overdoes it with the serious face stuff. And I, and I know he was also thrown out on the bases again, again, different deal very different than we saw from Vlad in game two there for both of those guys. And the reason they've been linked is because they arrived at the same time. They also, their free agency is going to play out at the exact same time. They have two more years of team control for Boba Shed, It's not team control of contract. Like he signed yeah. the extension through the arbitration years. That's like, it's Harden stone, <laughs> what he is going to earn over the next two years. So, I mean, factually, the Blue Jays have had a productive contract discussion with Bo Bichette. You go into next year with neither guy signed and and you let that play out until next offseason and you're staring down the final years yep. of their year of team control, boy, things get very interesting and the screws get tightened quite a bit when it comes to the Blue Jays. This is, we can talk about, hey, can you get one of those guys under contract that's that's favorable to the team like so many teams around Major League Baseball have done, most notably in Atlanta, but they've done it maybe not as team-friendly in Sooner. San Diego with Fernando Tatis yeah. Jr. But the, it, it is like it's, it's, it's something that is growing in popularity among Major League Baseball teams. The idea that you you signed Bobachet now is not even that. Like we're so close to free agency that it's 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 really just securing your future with one of your homegrown talented players. This has to be the off season where it's not just like ah, eh, this is like an ancillary topic of mm-hmm. conversation. This this has to happen this off season. The Blue Jays have to have a serious conversation about an extension with Bobachet. Not to say that it hasn't happened in passing before, yep. but this has to be. Hey, we're we're not just having the conversation. We need to know how close we are and and what the future holds between us. 
Yeah, he is 25 years old. He's going to be 26 by the time the season starts next year or right around when it when it starts. You're going to lock up his prime. He has two years left, and he's going to be 28, like absolute peak of his powers when he reaches free agency. If you believe in him, and why wouldn't you, based on everything you've seen, this is the time to get it done. I think the other thing you have to take into account, and you know nobody knows this except for, I guess, those two guys and people who have dealt with them, is that, what does it do? Let's say you don't, let's say you don't decide you want to trade Vladdy and you're going to continue and it's going to be an Arbier yeah, thing. This is the big question. Is that what does it do to him yeah. if you give Bobachet yeah. $200 million or whatever the huge number is with a million zeros on the end of it? What does it do? And conversely, not that this is going to happen. What would it do to Bobachet if you gave Vladdy his Fernando Tatis deal or whatever it ends yeah. up looking like. I mean, that's not happening right now, so we can just park that one. But that is the unknowable part of this because, yeah. you know, we have these conversations all the time. Oh, Matthews versus Marner. Whose team is it? I mean, we have had this conversation with people surrounding this team about those guys specifically. That is going to be a fork in the road moment. And ha- and you're right. I see the face you're making. No, no, I'm, I'm going to say we know how this plays out in real life, like with, with human beings yes. that aren't making millions yes. of dollars, right? Like when... <laughs> People are viewed similarly yes. or think they should be viewed similarly and and they're not treated mm-hmm. similarly and they work in the same place. Totally. Like, these are human beings. Like, yes. I know we, we think of them as and, – and they're so separate. And why do they really care? They got millions of dollars and they're living uh, an absolute dream life. But no. These they care. Are, I, I, know, I know the Blue Jays front office maybe views this as not a game played <laughs> by human beings. Let me assure you <laughs> – there are human dynamics at play here. No, I think you're 100% on to something. I, I have no idea. I really don't. I, I, I have a guess. I and, do too. And my guess would be that Vlad would be displeased. Not thrilled. Not <laughs> happy about it. Although, Kenny, I, I mean, th- there's potential other side of this, though, as well, Brent. Like, hey, I know we, we don't know how it's going to play out, and, and there probably will not be uh, this scenario actually play itself out. But, like, we know that the Maple Leafs have been coddled in a, in mm-hmm. a fashion by yes. the front office, right? Like yes. th- there's not, it's been a lot of carrot and mm-hmm. no stick. Nope. We know that the carrot hasn't really worked. How about like, let's try the stick. And it's not going to happen for the Leafs. Cause nope. like, I, I for whatever sailed. reason. Yeah. And, and maybe Sheldon Keefe's not the guy, but like, he can't even say, Hey, our best players weren't our best players mm-hmm. today and they need to be better. He has to apologize for that the next yes. day. Hey, <laughs> what you've tried with Vladimir Guerrero jr. And, and maybe coddling him and maybe protecting his feelings hasn't worked. I don't know. Maybe if he looks at the other guy who has performed getting the bag and he goes into next season with a chip on his shoulder, maybe you do get the best out of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Maybe, and you can certainly try it. The problem is, and we heard it a little bit when we talked to A-Rod, we've heard it earlier when I talked to Batista at Joe Carter's golf tournament, and I don't, if they're going to tell me this, I can only imagine what they're telling Vladimir Guerrero Jr., to a man, he is still viewed across baseball the way he was either in 2021 or somehow even better when he was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he's sitting there reading his own headlines that come from outside of Toronto going, oh, I'm great, I'm great. But you can't tell me some of that isn't working its way in. And if to the human element part well, of it, this would Boba, be a wake-up call, is then. it Boba Shed is going to get, again, whatever the hundreds of million dollars it is, and you're not – is it the wake-up call or is it a woe is me because everyone around me is telling me how great? And that, I do not know that. Only Vladdy can can know that. And he doesn't even yet because it hasn't happened. But that is the thing that I don't think can be understated is that that guy still, to a man, is being told by everyone in his circle how great he is. Yeah. 
I, I think so much of the the natural talent of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I I don't think it can get any worse than this season. I really do think yeah. we're at rock bottom. There's a floor. And 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 if anything, I I think the the sparking him to to have a career year by watching the guy that he came up with get the bag and him not getting it. I think I think that's the most likely outcome. All right, playoff baseball resumes tomorrow. And one of the glamour series is uh, Phillies and Braves. Jeff Rancourt is going to be calling that game for, for TBS. We'll talk to him about that. We'll also talk about the John Schneider, Jose Barrios situation that everybody around Major League Baseball is talking about. That and more next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Roger Center, you've been electric all year. Hey, we need it. We've been working for October all year. We're going, okay? You guys ready? Let's go. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet, 590 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Enough of this, like, no playoff baseball thing. This is ridiculous. It's getting out of hand. Return to me. Yeah. Uh, So another day off in playoff baseball land today, which was only supposed to be the one day off because, like, somebody was supposed to force a game three yesterday. It didn't happen. So we got two consecutive off days before the DSs start up tomorrow, including the uh, Phillies and Braves and probably the the glamour matchup uh, across all of the uh, the series. Let's talk to a man who's going to be calling that series for TBS, also former Major League outfielder. It's Jeff Rancourt. How's it going, Jeff? What's up, guys? I'm good. I'm good. How's everything up in the north? Yeah, we're still recovering here. I mean, (laughs) not only yet another series sweep in the wild card round for the Blue Jays, but man, game two, it was not ideal. Let's just put it that way. I'm interested, Jeff, like being around everybody and and getting prepped for this series and talking to a bunch of baseball people uh, after the wild card round and all four series being a sweep. How much of the conversation is about John Schneider's decision to remove Jose Barrios in game two, despite the fact he hadn't even thrown 50 pitches and looked as good as he did? You know what's funny, guys, is my kids have fall break, so we went to the county fair last night, and on the way home, I was actually telling my wife that I was coming on with y'all, and I was telling her the situation on Barrios and how I felt about it, and I said, I just... We had Alex Anthopoulos on the last game of the season down in Atlanta in the booth with us. And I just said, I said, how many times does the postseason force you to do things that might not be great or might not be your strength? And I think back to 2019, the Braves threw Mike Soroka in game three because his road numbers were better against the Cardinals than home. And your ace in a five-game series only threw one time. And – you know, I looked at it the other day, and I'm like, this is your guy that got you there all year. And I know there's Philly's got it, or uh, the Blue Jays got a great bullpen, but, man, you start telling yourself you got to get 18 outs out of that bullpen. I just They did an unbelievable job. And, look, ultimately it comes down to they, they didn't swing it, which, which they've done most of the year. But still, I just think, you know, it's like – I look at the Braves with with how they're going to play the Phillies. Strider's got to give you six, seven innings. I mean, he does. If you have to go to the pen in game one and three or four, man, unless you get lucky or your offense scores ten runs, you're not going to win the ball game. And so I I just – I would have loved to seen him stay in. I love Schneider. I'm a fan. I love love the team of the Blue Jays. I just – 
hate when we see the postseason turn into something that's what you didn't do during the regular season, and that's why you got into the playoffs in the first place. Yeah, talking to Jeff Francoeur here, and uh, Jeff, I'm just I'm happy to know that we have at least one thing in common because I also chew my wife's ear off about baseball when we're in the car. I don't know if yours <laughs> cares more than mine does, uh, but yes, we we the three of us yeah. uh, all have that in common. You know, what one, one thing that's I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure she just wanted me to put the kids to bed yeah. last night. Like, <laughs> shut up. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're all three for three in that in that regard. Uh, in terms yeah. of, there's been a lot of reporting coming out about the way the team received it. And, you know, the understanding is that this did this was not John Schneider's decision. I mean, you could see it on his face. Clue, this is not the plan he concocted. How do you think a clubhouse deals with the idea that, and, you know, this isn't a wholly new thing, but it's definitely been a newer development in baseball, that the guy who's sitting there pulling the strings isn't really the one making the call. What does that do to the respect or clout a manager would have in a clubhouse? It's tough, man. I'm telling you right now. I remember in 19 when uh, I did the playoff series with the Nats and Dodgers, and if you remember, you know, Dave Roberts had about a 1,000 things on his desk. Mm. He kept telling us there's people telling this and that and this and that. (laughs) And I don't know if you remember, he bought in Kershaw, gave up the two home runs, this and that. Oh, yeah. And the next year, if you remember, during the COVID year, he bought in both times versus the Braves and then the Rays, Julio Rios, and just let him pitch. He didn't go to anybody else in the bullpen. He said, this is my guy. And I think it, it, you get to a point where you, you say sometimes, screw it, man. This is what's got us here, and this is what I'm going to do. And and I look at, you know, just how you have that ability. You know, Alex Anthopoulos and Smith for the Braves have such a good understanding. You know, if as, as Alex tells me, look, if Smith really wants something, at the end of the day, it's his decision. He's the one that's got to live with it. He's the one that's got to answer questions. And ultimately, if I don't like it, he's the one that's going to get fired. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, but you have that conversation where it's like, look, man, I, I, you brought me in here to do a job. And I, I always say this, analytics are great things, but they're just numbers for a reason. You read it, you digest it, and then you tell yourself what, what's best for those players. And, and I think at that time, those players, you send a message that I'm panicked and we might lose this ball game. That That's how I would come across it. It's the fourth inning. It's 0-0. We need to put these guys in right now because, you know, this is about to get sideways. And I, I just think as players, you know, you tend to lose – you tend to lose a little, you know, I don't want to say respect, but you lose confidence. Yeah. And you know what? The other side gains confidence because the way Jose Barrios was yeah. pitching in that game, they were like, anybody? Oh, you said Kikuchi sounds great, like, even if the platoon uh, advantage is not that, on our side. Yeah, and that, that's that's the whole thing. Like, if I'm a hitter on the other side, I'm like, thank you. Like, if I'm the Braves and game two comes around and <laughs> after Nola gives up one or two solo shots, or, I mean, uh, Wheeler, you take him out of the game, I'm like, thank you very much. Right. You know, and so so I just think that, you know, you got to find a way to have a good balance. Um, And I'm just not sure that, you know, they they do it all the time. No, they don't. Here's what they do is lose in the postseason, like only every time. And like, that's just a matter of fact. And and it's not one person's fault. Right. But I I will say that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette have been all on all six of those well, all of those teams that have made the postseason, 
three times and all six of those games that they've lost consecutively in the postseason. They're still young players and they have a, a long, long careers ahead of them. Um, the Blue Jays, and who knows what happens this offseason as far as making the roster for 2024 for the Toronto Blue Jays. But as far as looking at those two players, like, is there is there a part of you that, that has changed? Because I know Major League Baseball as a whole viewed the young core of the Blue Jays a couple of years ago as, hey, man, it's just a matter of time before this team is competing in the World Series. It's been a, it's been a number of years now, and we have not yet, not only not seen a World Series appearance, we haven't seen a postseason win yet, Jeff. No, and I, I get it. It gets frustrating because you have two of the most dynamic players in baseball. I mean, you really do. They're both so talented and so good. The thing that stinks, man, is those best two out of three. I think we saw it this year. It's all momentum, man. And you win that one game, you get them on the brink. And all four were sweeps. I mean, all four series were were two games or uh, two game sweeps. And so. You know, I'd love to see them be able to get in as a division winner, you know, and and get to that where you get three out of five, four out of seven, and you can really show the depth of the of your team because that's the whole thing, man. The first the first couple games, if you get on the wrong side of it, man, you're you're done. Like Milwaukee, that was a must win game, game one. So I don't think there needs to be a complete overhaul. I mean, when when you look at that team. I still think a lot of power. I think a lot of slug. I, I think, you know, it's just getting off to, to the right start and being able to, to put it away. You know, I think last year would be the one that I think would be more frustrating because this year you can just kind of say, yeah, the bats didn't show up, man, and they didn't, you know. But last year they did <laughs> in that postseason series. They just weren't able to win it. Yeah, it is interesting you, you mentioned the point of potentially winning a division and getting to a best three of five because, quite frankly, that game's not managed the way it was uh, yesterday if if uh, if they hadn't needed to win it uh, to keep their season going. Uh, last one from me before we let you go, Jeff. The idea, or sorry, just looking ahead at the series you're, you're going to be calling here. I mean, the Braves have been baseball's kind of perfect machine this season, but the Phillies feel like the most fun team in baseball to me. i, I got to be honest, I'm just jealous of the seat you have for that one. Seems like it's going to be really fun. I, I, I'm so excited to call that series. I, I really am. I, I feel very lucky that I'm going to get to sit there and watch these two teams slug it out because, you know, it, it's going to be a battle. And both teams are outstanding. Both teams are, you know, well coached. They're well pitched. And they're storylines, man. You got Ronald Acuna, Bryce Harper. You know, I laugh. We, we I sit there and talk about it all the time. No one even talks about Matt Olson, and all he did was hit you know, 54 home runs and 139 RBIs. And, you know, I I think it's going to be a great series. The one question mark in Atlanta that everybody wants to know is that ERA for the pitching staff that led all the baseball in the first half, you know, it it ballooned. And it was 4.63 in the second half. So it's like, can you – the Braves, I think, have to have Strider and Freed take you deep into the game. And if they do that – with that offense, I think they're going to be fine. Now, on the other hand, if the Phillies can work those guys and they get to that mid part of the pen for the Braves, they can really take advantage. And I'll tell you what, you know, I, I, I played in Philly in 15. I was only there one year, and we sucked that year. <laughs> we were bad. But I will tell you this, that place still brings out energy when we were bad. And we saw it on TV the other night. that. I don't think there's any better home field advantage in baseball than than Citizens Bank Park in in October. I mean, that place is rocking. So 
that's what I said. I think you're going to see it's it's going to be a heck of a series. And uh, I, I am. I'm 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 kind of pinching myself that that myself and Brian Anderson get a call it. Yeah, I I I agree as far as the atmosphere in Philadelphia and the 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 Phillies fans are great. I mean, the, it's not prototypical Philadelphia sports fan though. Honestly, like they they cheered Trey Turner, their big offseason acquisition with the giant contract. They just kept cheering him louder and louder when he's going through his slums. And we've seen that around Major League Baseball. I don't think of Philadelphia as being a place that, where where that's going to happen. Maybe maybe Phillies fans are are getting soft. Well. <laughs> I don't know soft or they or they knew that they needed him to get where they wanted to be because that was the smartest thing they've ever done. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, they, look, sometimes everybody needs a pat and even there on the on the butt. But I, I think look, this like I said, the the Braves fans honestly, majority that I talked to, I think they really wanted to play Philly too because they they wanted the opportunity to give back last year what happened. Philly knocked yeah. them out and they 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 beat them up pretty good for four games. And you know what? If you're the best team in baseball, we always say it, you got to play them sometime. So you might as well go through the best. And I I think, you know, you're looking at two of the best teams in baseball, you know, getting a lot of horns for five games. And and it's going to be beautiful. You know, actually it's going to be funny down in Atlanta the high for game 1's only like 64. So it's going to feel like postseason baseball. Yeah. And it hasn't so far. The Blue Jays were in Minnesota in October, and it was like uh, 85 degrees. It was very, yeah, 85. Very, it's really, I know. really weird. Uh, Jeff, I uh, can't wait to, to watch more playoff baseball starting tomorrow and uh, and listen to your call. Thanks for this. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. This is Jeff Francoeur, former Major League outfielder on the call for TBS. Braves and Phillies last year, if you do not recall, the Phillies taking care of the Braves in the divisional round after getting through the wildcard round as the last team in in the National League, the Phillies were. Um, and they absolutely tattooed Braves pitching in the three victories. So they won game one, seven, six. Lost game two. Kyle Wright had a great game. They lost three, nothing. Nine, one Phillies <laughs> over Braves in, in game three. Eight, three Phillies over Braves in game four. So this is a Braves team that won 104 games this season and controlled the season series against the Phillies, although it was close eight to five, but Mm -hmm. this is, these are two teams obviously playing in the same division who know each other very well. And recent history would, would be on the Philly side of things. But yeah, I think to me, it's that the glamor series in major league baseball, maybe you can point to Rangers Orioles as, as being that, and maybe some, some runs being scored. And yeah, that one also is going to feel like really September or October. It's going to feel like, playoff baseball outdoors in in Baltimore, but Phillies, Braves, I mean, that could be the team that wins it all. Yeah, easily could. And yeah, Rangers, Orioles can get sexy. I could Mm. see myself Mm. getting excited for that one. I am already completely excited for this series. We didn't talk about it yesterday. I mean, we talked about the game a little bit. Obviously, you're so bogged down in Leafsland. The idea of the Philly fans singing Stotts, walk-up song right Mm. before he hits a grand slam. I guess they already had their magic world series win, but if you, if they hadn't just won a world series, I'd be sitting there watching that going, Ooh, okay. Should probably all bet on them now because they're probably going to win. As soon as I saw that you gave me the numbers yesterday. I feel like they were the second, uh, the second longest odds. I'm I'm trying to remember anyways of everybody. Yeah. And it, it, it feels like it was recent vintage when they won the world series. Yes. I mean, 2008, mm. you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, right. They lost last year, what am I saying? Yeah, they lost to the the Astros in the World Series last year, getting all the way there as the, the last wild card in. And I think Jeff raises 
a point that that shouldn't be lost on Blue Jays fans. And I don't think it is, honestly, especially considering the preseason hype surrounding this Blue Jays team that, yeah, wildcard ad's crazy, man. It's you know, anything. It's, you only get two out of three and – you know, that, that you can have a bad two-game stretch and it can change your strategy. And I yep. think you're right to point not out wrong. that the, the Yusei Kikuchi usage is not happening if you've got a three, uh, a, a minimum three-game series and a maximum five-game series. You have to protect mm-hmm. at least three of your starters in that instance. But the goal was this season not to get into the playoffs, not to win 89 games, it's to win the division, yep. to be what the Orioles were this year and win 100 games and look like a World Series favorite. And outside of April, because April they kind of did look mm-hmm. like that. Outside of April, that never happened for this team. Best way to avoid the coin-flipping nature of the wild card round is to miss it all together, which is obvious and 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 and... Yeah, I guess gets forgotten after you play a whole 162 game season and you get your laser focused on the two games against the Minnesota Twins. That's got to be the goal for this team is to get out of this round. Like, it, I know it won't count as a playoff game win if you get a bye through the yeah. wild card round, but that will alleviate some of the pressure on Vlad and Bo. That yeah, they'll still have 0 and 6 in the playoffs on their resume, but at least they'll be participating in their first three out of five. Yeah, that would definitely be because guess what? They they wouldn't have you're right, they wouldn't have a playoff win. They don't get gifted one, if but they would have a division title. That kind of matters. I mean, I understand people will say it matters for not if you go out and get swept or you look listless in your first series. I understand that, but that has got to be the goal. I mean, the vignette they played, it was a wonderful vignette before the first game of that series on Sportsnet and all the voiceover from Dan and everybody was all the clips of blowhards like us talking at the beginning of the season and it was not have a good year, not make some strides, world Series. series. Yeah. That was the word. So the idea that, ah, it's a coin flip. Yeah. Don't put yourself in that spot next year. And given everything we've laid out, that's far from a certainty. I don't think anyone's expecting this team to just ho-hum, take a step back, but there are a lot of holes to be plugged if they don't want to do that. Yeah, there are a lot of holes to be plugged on this team. And okay, the Minnesota Twins are a fine team too. And yeah, they won their crappy division. And But I mean, outside of the 87 wins and winning the crappy division, playing 20 fewer games against good teams. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the record against teams above 500 was actually very respectable. Oh. Actually, might have been better uh, percentage-wise. Actually, I know it was. It was better <laughs> winning percentage-wise than the Blue Jays. But the Blue Jays had to play 20 more games of that sample. So it's unfair to, to compare okay, apples to apples. Fair. I, I I hate necessarily doing this, but like the the team that you got knocked out by, yes. evaluating your season also based on their performance beyond that series. Mm-hmm. If the Minnesota Twins go into Houston against, I get it, the defending right. World Series champion Astros, but a team that lost seven of nine down the stretch yep. to the Oakland A's and the Kansas City Royals, if they get their heads mm. pounded in in Houston in this five-game series, which is entirely possible considering that the Twins are a good team and maybe underrated by people who didn't watch them all season yep. long, and we know how good the first two starters in that rotation can be. But that's far from a perfect team. Boy, it's, it's it, I, I, I do think that's going to sting even more for a Blue Jays team that was the Major League Baseball leader 
in ERA, did so many things well, and and just could not perform offensively. Yeah, it won't make you feel any better. I don't know that I always do the transitive properties like that that I do with other sports. I definitely do that with football, for example. Like, yeah. if a football team loses in the wild card round and that team goes on to win the Super Bowl, you feel a little differently about it. But I feel baseball is such a matchup-dependent sport that I kind of want to see how it looks. And the other part of it is maybe you can sell yourself on the other version of it. If the twins go on a run, but the problem is the way it ended, it was just the two decisions. And one of them was a mistake. One of them was a decision. It's just, it's impossible to think about anything other than Vlad at second and, and Barrios coming out because it's just, that's the whole season right there. So it kind of doesn't matter what the twins do. So it, it won't matter if the, if the twins go on and beat the Astros and the Orioles get swept by the Rangers and all three American league East teams are out before the championship <laughs> series and the, the American league central team that won 87 games is through. Like if it's, if it's Rangers twins in the American league championship series, that is, that's, it's going to be hard to argue anything other than, hey... Um, you weren't that close. Yeah, but also that the, you, you, we overrated the American League East. Oh, definitely. There will be some semblance of that, but I also think it's like uh, the perennial choker team choked. The team that got really hurt at the end of the year didn't go through in the Rays, and the young team couldn't come through. Like, you can do that math, but there's yeah. also ways to explain all that. Not the Blue Jays. They have to eat it, but the other teams, we can explain away. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The Orioles, despite the fact they won 101 games, oh, it's all gravy for them. They could get no hit for the entirety of that series and maybe that's a bit strong but no well you know what back in in 2020 the, the blue jays i mean didn't almost get no hit but they they, they very much <laughs> no showed against the Rays. it was like yeah it's fine what a fun little kid way to go camp. Dave pearson all right have a have a great weekend everybody enjoy your thanksgiving we'll be back on tuesday fan morning show ben Ennis, brent gunning sports at 590 the fam